Hi everyone and welcome to episode 315 of the Tick Boot Camp podcast. The title of today's interview is Grace Walk Farm, an interview with Amber Binge. My name is Bianca Michelle and I'm so honored to be co-hosting this episode alongside the incredible Matt Savatello. Today we are joined with Amber Binge, the owner of Grace Walk Farm. Amber lives an inspiring lifestyle of growing her own food and sharing all of that wisdom and knowledge that she's learned by herself from the ground up whilst battling years of chronic symptoms and illness. Today, Amber shares her inspiring story of how chronic symptoms led to 24 years of misdiagnoses, and within less than a year, she was able to find her root cause of Lyme disease and reduce her symptoms by 80%. Today's episode is not only realistic and educational, yet it is absolutely inspirational. It draws a line in the sand about the length of time it takes for symptoms to reduce, and Amber's infectious mindset will have you feeling inspired to take on this journey with a mindset of, I am a warrior no matter how hard it gets. Okay, welcome, Amber. It's such an honor to connect with you today. I am so excited to hear all about your journey, and I'd love for you to share with us where you live and and what you're up to now. Sure. So I live in Western North Carolina, and we actually live on a little homestead mini farm. We have about three acres of land, and we grow a lot of our own food and a lot of our own medicine with a lot of herbs and Um, It's been a really fun journey that has gone right along with my health journey too. Um, And I I live with my husband and I have two children. They're both teenagers now. Um, So they keep me on my toes, Um, but we have a really fun little life here on the farm. Mm, Beautiful. That sounds so incredible. And when you say a farm life you're living now, is that something that you grew up with or is that not at all (laughs) not at all and in fact my parents never gardened they never really had any interest in growing food or um even in natural medicine I just wasn't raised to even consider those things we were a very um immersed in western medicine kind of family and so when I had my own children and my own health stuff started Um, It was a whole new world for me, something I had never learned about or explored. And I was amazed to find that there is plenty of help and hope outside of a doctor's office that I'd never considered. Um, So it's it's been quite the journey. But yeah, my parents um, never were interested in farming. My grandparents were farmers, but I only visited once in a while. And I remember I would visit their farm and it's so magical, you know, and I can remember picking fresh strawberries with my grandpa out of the garden and thinking, this is amazing. Like this strawberry is the best strawberry I've ever eaten. And I was kind of hooked. And I think that kind of planted a little seed in my heart, even as a little girl. And now Mm -hmm. as an adult, I'm back in the garden. Oh, I love that it's kind of sent you back to your ancestry in a sense. And that is where that was really sparked for you in childhood, seeing that farm life. And then later on in life, things that you've experienced now, you've come back and thought, oh, wow, I want to do that again. That's where I'm happy. Yeah, absolutely. And finding finding your roots, there's a lot to that. And the deeper you go into it, the more that opens up, you just... There's so much to learn, so much to learn. 
I'm like, how did I go nearly 40 years and not know about the magic of homegrown tomatoes? <laughs> and how did you learn all of that? I mean, what, where did that all, I mean, the spark came from your childhood and I, your grandparents are here or they're not here anymore. And how did yeah. you learn the ins and outs from that transition? I mean, like this is a part of your ancestry and something that you saw in childhood and then you had, I guess, a big break and now you've gone back. So where did you learn all the little tools that you know now? It was a lot of research and buying books and listening to podcasts and YouTube videos and um, finding people who live near me that do homestead and garden. And I called a lady one time that I had just gotten her number from somebody and I heard that she had goats and I called her and I was like, I know you don't know me, but can you teach me how to milk goats? (laughs) And she said, yes. And I made a new friend. You know, it's all about just kind of putting yourself out there and, and meeting people and yeah, you can learn to do anything. You can learn to do anything. I'm convinced if a city girl like me can become a little farmer, anybody can do it. (laughs) Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. And I love this transition that that did occur for you, that you did see that earlier on in life. And now it's your life again to a degree. And prior to, I guess, experiencing Lime, was that the spark that brought this for you? Or what was the spark that made you feel like, I guess, moving to the farm? I think the lime definitely had something to do with it, but I didn't know it was lime at the time. So we moved here to our property in 2020. um, And at the time I was very, very sick. Um, I had just quit my job, unable to work anymore. And really in the thick of probably the sickest that, that I was. Um, and we moved here, started gardening, growing some food. And I saw the benefits of that right away. The, the diet changes, being outside, you know, those things were wonderful. But it was almost like I was in this race, right? And so on the one hand, I'm racing towards building a homestead. But on the other hand, Lyme disease is like racing through my body and eventually the Lyme outpaced me and it's like it got so bad, even eating the natural foods and being outside and doing all these things that I thought were the right things. It just wasn't enough. And I kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And um, finally, at the beginning of this year is when I first was told, hey, let's check you for Lyme disease. And I really, I knew nothing about it, nothing. I'd heard of it, but in all the years that I've been sick, no one had ever said, have you been bitten by a tick? Or, you know, have you considered testing for tick-borne diseases? Not one doctor, and I've seen dozens. So, um, but eventually all my best efforts at at just treating this with, with diet and lifestyle changes, it just wasn't quite enough. Yeah. Can you just take us a little bit back with that as well and just start to share like, okay, so your desires and I guess dreams were to create this farm life and then Lyme started to take over, but you were experiencing symptoms that you weren't sure that were associated with Lyme at the time. Can you take us through how the symptoms started to progress for you and and what that looked like? For sure. So I think my story is a little tricky with this because I've been sick my whole life. Um, and once 
the idea of Lyme was brought to me, it triggered a memory. I did have a tick bite when I was about five years old. Um, we were on vacation at the time, and I remember very, very little of it. I remember having a weird rash on my ankle, and I remember feeling really sick. Um, but my parents never took me to the doctor. It was one of those things we were on vacation, and they were like, oh, you know, you're better by the time we got home. We're just going to move on. Um, but I, looking back, that's probably where this started. And um, so all through, even as a kid, I was just the kid that was sick all the time. I missed a lot of school. If there was a cold going around, you better believe I would get it. Um, I had no immune system, it seemed. And then going on up through high school and college, I stayed that way. I would be sick a lot. Um, at one point um, during high school, the doctor told me I had chronic fatigue I'm like, how can I have chronic fatigue at 17 years old? Like, this is, this makes no sense. I'm a cheerleader and I'm on student council and I lead this really active life. And, you know, why would I have fatigue that you can't explain? I knew it didn't add up, but again, you know, I was raised in a family that you take what that doctor says as the gospel truth and you don't question it. And so, okay, I have chronic fatigue. Um, and so then, Moving on forward, you know, I developed in my 20s arthritis, um, and that was the first time that, that it really stopped me um, and started to interrupt my life. Um, I started having problems with my hands, and I was working as a freelance writer at the time, and it got to a point where I literally had to stop writing. Like, my hands just couldn't do it anymore, the typing, and um, it was so frustrating, and then... As time progressed, by the time we moved to our farm here in 2020, I was dealing with joint pain every day, every day. And I had had shingles five different times, always on the same nerve dermatome. Um, but it was like a cycle. It had fallen into this cycle and it would be like, I'd be sick and then I would get shingles and then I would get this inflammation all over my whole body and my joints would worsen. And then we'd start again. And each time it left me sicker than the time before. And so in 2020, I thought, okay, we're, we're here, we're on the farm. Of course, the pandemic hit and it was like, well, we can hold up here on the homestead and ride this thing out. We'll be fine. You know, and then COVID hit us and COVID was horrific for me and my whole family got it but I was the only one that got COVID pneumonia and I was in the bed for weeks it was horrible um and I know now looking back on that the reason it probably hit me differently was because here I was dealing with Lyme so as the year progressed COVID happened the arthritis got worse and I got to the point where I couldn't hardly even walk my ankle would swell like twice the size it was supposed to be. And here I am, we've planted this huge garden. We have all these animals to look after. I'm a homeschool mom and I can't walk. How is this going to work? You know, um, and it, it really drove me to a place of just depression, honestly. Like as much as I want to do all these things mentally, my body just won't cooperate. And, and I feel stuck, you know, like, what do I have to do to get past this? I've, I've seen all these doctors. 
So then I really started to question Western medicine and I started to go see new doctors. I started to see, uh, I saw three different functional health doctors. I saw a naturopath. I saw multiple Western medicine specialists, did the two different rheumatologists and two different endocrinologists. Um, I went to see a specialist about Cushing's disease and adrenal problems and over and over and over, they all told me the same thing. You have high inflammation. Your inflammatory markers are off the charts, but we don't know why. And they would throw another prescription at me. So by the end of, let's see, by the end of last year, it had gotten to the point where I was on 13 prescription medications in my 30s, can barely walk. Now I'm depressed. I've gained 100 pounds. I'm miserable. And I knew something had to give. And um, at that point, a friend of a friend kind of got news to me to go visit this little practice in a little tiny town near here. The place doesn't have a website. Like it's very hush hush, um, but they do functional health and they do bioresonance scans, bioenergetics. And I was real skeptical. I was like, I don't know about this. This is like they're hidden in this little office building in this tiny town. There's not a website. Like, how legitimate could this be? But I, at that point, I was like, I'll try anything, literally anything. If you say it will make me stop hurting, I'll try it. And so I went and I had my, my very first bioenergetic scan and it changed my life because in a matter of two hours, I went from feeling like I had this nameless enemy that was just literally sucking the life out of me, you know, and now I knew what it was because through that they discovered the frequency for Berberilia and for Bartonella. And so I knew from that, okay, Lyme and Bartonella both have been an issue and this is what I'm looking at. And so then the practitioner there worked with me and I'm still going through the process. Um, but since January of this year, I've been on this journey of, trying to detox and get rid of all of the bad stuff and build back the good. Um, and so I go for another scan in three weeks and I'm hoping that the, it, it's going to be clear this time. Um, my husband and my son both actually scanned positive as well. Um, and they went through the protocol, but on a much shorter term because they didn't have it widespread. It showed in almost every organ system for me. For them, it was like in one spot and they both cleared it within a couple of months and are feeling great. Um, but it's been a little bit of a longer, harder journey for me, um, trying lots of different supports and, and things to help. Um, but I'm hopeful. And that's the thing. Like I have hope there is a way to live with this and I'm a lot better. I would say, I'm probably 80% better than I was in January. Um, my inflammation's come way down. I've lost about 70 pounds. I'm just, I'm starting to feel better. Um, it has been a crazy transformation this year, just in feeling like, I feel like myself again. Like I lost that somewhere along the way and I, I, I'm finding it again. That's so such a big journey for you to go through and over so many years. So I'm so glad to hear that hope in you now and just to circle back a little bit in terms of, so through high school, you started to have the chronic 
chronic illness start to show up in this in the sense of chronic fatigue and mm -hmm. so just for a little background for anyone listening as well how did that feel at that period and then how did it really start to transpire I guess through that process so there was chronic fatigue and then the arthritis really started to kick in and that was where you no longer could continue to pursue I guess a, a normal life where this wasn't interfering or yeah, for sure. I mean, I think in high school it affected my energy level. Um, and then, but I also think it affected even like my menstrual cycle. Um, I had polycystic ovaries and um, I got to the point where like, I just would not have a cycle at all. Um, my hormones were really, really out of whack. And um, of course, my mom would take me to a gynecologist and they would throw birth control at me or give me like the synthetic stuff to make you start a cycle. Um, and that just over time made me worse instead of better because now my body thought, well, it wouldn't have a cycle without that. And so that rolled over in my 20s to infertility. Like I believe it was very much all linked. Um, and preterm births, both of my children were born early. Um, we had miscarriages. Um, pregnancy was a nightmare for me. My body did not do pregnancy well. Um, I was hospitalized multiple times during my pregnancy with my youngest because I mean, from 23 weeks of pregnancy, my body was like, no, I kept going into labor and it just and then I had to have a complete hysterectomy after my youngest was born because of complications. So, I mean, I just looking back on it, it makes sense to think that tick bite when I was a little bitty girl set off this storm in my body. And it just took a lot of years to really develop. But there were signs all along the way, you know, and, and they were all blamed on different things. But looking at it, I mean, what are the odds that a normal, healthy young woman would have, you know, all these menstrual issues, all this chronic fatigue. Now you've got preterm birth. Now you've got a hysterectomy at 24. And then in my late 20s, then I started having the stomach issues. And then it was like, well, let's take out your gallbladder. So we did that. That did nothing. Then it became, oh, well, you're still sick all the time. Let's send you to an ear, nose, and throat specialist. And they took out my tonsils and adenoids. That did nothing. I still got sick all the time. And that was a horrific surgery to go through as an adult. And so like, it just got to the point where I didn't trust doctors anymore. I mean, I really feel like I had almost some medical trauma um, where I, it, even to this day, if, if we need to go to the doctor for something or my kids need to go to the doctor, number one, we always go to the naturopath first. <laughs> but if we do have to go to the regular Western medicine doctor, I go in almost anxious and defensive from the beginning because I feel like they've tried to kill me so many times and it's not that they were necessarily purposefully doing it, but that's how it feels because every time I went, I came away worse. Um, so that's a whole other side to Lyme disease too. I think you can develop like that medical trauma and that fear of doctors and this it like a lack of trust in general for anybody that gives medical advice, you can become very skeptical when you, when you go through this. Um, but in some ways that's also really good because you don't want to trust just anybody with your health. Just because somebody went to medical school for a set number of years, that does not in my mind anymore guarantee that they are a health expert. 
That tells me they're an expert in writing prescriptions and they know what prescriptions to match with what condition. But that's, that's as far as my trust goes at this point. <laughs> and, you know, I've been really open with my family doctor about all of this. Um, and I've, I've just told him, you know, like, I appreciate the fact that you're trying to help, but he's still, he still is pushing prescriptions at me every year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not taking it. I'm not doing it. I refuse to live my life on pain medication. I have children. I have a family. I do not want to be a zombie through my life. Um, I would rather live with pain than live as a zombie. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, of course. Unfortunately, the story is so much too common and there is that flip side of where we take our power back and we start to like stand in ourselves and, and take control of our own health. And it does teach us that not that it's the right thing, but it does make us extremely powerful. And as a mother, that's obviously showing through all the beautiful farming and things that you're doing as well. It's, it's really an incredible part. And one part I'd like to ask you as well, you mentioned within the bioresonance scan that it was all through all organs, which is really intriguing to me when we look at the fact that, you know, you went through all of the stuff with the ovaries, then the gallbladder and even the tonsils. And so we can start to see and form these patterns of Lyme is multi-systemic. It it appears in every organ of the body. And if people are showing up with this many multitudes of issues, it's not that they're crazy. It's that they could be, you know, it's one day in the leg and one day in the throat. So you have really been showing this pattern through the whole time. So I find that really intriguing. And so as we move back to where you, so you've moved to the farm. And so what was the real calling for you to get the bioresonance scan? Was it that you were just stuck in this place? Were you doing a job at that time? What was this transition for you to go from, you know, really suffering with symptoms and now, now healing? Yeah, I think the ankle, when my ankle got to the point where I couldn't walk anymore, um, like, I really think I was just a few weeks from being completely like wheelchair bound or bed bound. Like it was getting bad quick. Um, And so that was the point for me where I was like, I can't lose my mobility. I've given up my ability to write, which I love because of my hands. You know, I've, I've given up my social life because I get sick. I've given up the ability to go and do things with my kids even because I catch everything. Like I can't go to a sporting event with my kid because if I do, I'm going to have the flu next week. You can just write it down. It's going to happen. You know, I just get sick constantly or I did. That's getting better. Um, But, you know, and that's the point where it's like, I don't want to have to stop living. So let's do whatever we have to do to change this and make it better. Um, And so yeah, the, the, when I went for that scan, I was just, and honestly, the, the guy that I see that does the scan, he is the most genuine down to earth person. And like the first time I went, he sat and talked with me for almost an hour and a half before he even scanned me. Um, and he did the most thorough history of anybody that I have ever seen. I mean, all the way back from when I was a small child and I had not even thought about that tick bite until he asked me, have you ever had a tick bite? You know, because a lot of, he said, a lot of your symptoms 
kind of sound like you could have Lyme. And I was like, I don't even really know what that is, <laughs> but sure, check me for it, you know. Um, but he did the scan, like when he scanned, he scanned for all kinds of things. And since then, I've taken both of my kids and my husband have gone for scans. And it's been really helpful for all of us. Um, we've all had things pop up on our scans that we've been able to address. And everybody has gotten healthier. Um, we've become a gluten-free, dairy-free home and changed the diet for our whole family now. Um, but we're all better for it. Um, and it's been, it's been an adventure to do it all together for sure. <laughs> but it, yeah. Amber, I just love your attitude and your approach to all this, because despite being sick for well over 30 years, you're 80% better today. And you just are approaching this with such grace instead of anger. And I think that's a really important part of your journey, because when we're angry, we can't heal, right? But when we approach things with peace and calm and love like you are, we embrace healing. And I know it sounds very woo-woo. And three years ago, I'm like, Matt, you're crazy. But I really believe that because in my own self, I see that as well, where if I don't have this peace about my healing, then I'm not going to heal. And it's just simply played out in my own life. And I think all of us have seen that as well. But I do want to, we do want to focus on your, your treatment right now that you got this diagnosis and you finally found this naturopath. But there's a few things you and Bianca talked about. I want to just drill in a little bit more on to help our listeners. The first one is medical trauma, because again, being sick for about 34 years after your tick bite when you were five, finally getting diagnosed at 39 and being gaslit and having all this medical trauma, I think caused you to doubt your own illness. It caused doctors to have validation to continue to write you off because other doctors were writing you off. And we have people that were diagnosed with Lyme or have, you know, we'll call it indeterminate or clinical diagnoses with Lyme who question whether or not they have a tick-borne illness and they're not taking any action because they're doubting it from their medical trauma. So what advice would you give to the listeners that are listening, thinking, I'm pretty sure I have Lyme, but doctors say maybe I don't. Some doctors are telling me I'm cured, but I'm still sick. You know, after going through everything you did, you, every, you know, every, everything you've gone through, how would you address those listeners who are doubting their illness based on their medical trauma? And what advice would you give them from your own experience? That's such a good question. I think the number one thing is listen to your body. Trust your body more than you trust any doctor. You know how you feel. And if you're sick and you know you're sick, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If you have family members that are, that are questioning you or making you feel like you're a hypochondriac, you know, if, if that's an issue you're facing, I get that. Like I have family members to this day that I think genuinely do not believe I have Lyme disease. And I'm like, I don't know how that they can feel that way after seeing the way some of my joints have swollen. But, um, you know, I have some that really question and they think that I have rheumatoid arthritis and I've gone off on a crazy Western medicine kick. Um, but you have to be you have to be firm enough in your desire to be well that you can push past that. Like, how much do you want to beat this? How much do you want to be better? Because if it's if a, a remark or a comment from one doctor or one person is enough to derail you, you don't want it bad enough yet. You're not sick enough yet to do whatever it takes. And when you hit that low, that bottom where you're just like, I'll do anything. I will like, I will hang upside down. I don't care. I need to feel better. When you hit that point, that's when you'll get well, because you have to be at the point where you're going to advocate for yourself. Because one thing I've seen 
as I've gone through this, nobody else is going to advocate for you. You're going to have to do your homework. You're going to have to go to the doctor locked and loaded with the facts and the research and the information. And you're going to have to ask, will you do this specific lab test? Will you do this specific? And it's okay to do that. It is your right. Your doctor works for you, not the other way around. You are hiring your doctor. You're paying them to give you a service to provide you with medical care. And if your doctor is not doing that, fire it, get a new one. And I say that as a person who I'm generally like a little um, meek and quiet in life, but the medical thing has caused me to kind of like awaken this mama bear in me. Because if you don't fight for yourself, nobody else is going to. And I mean, I look back on it now, and this has been a crazy year going through treatments. It has been hard, but I'm so glad that I got up the nerve to basically tell my family doctor, look, I'm not doing it your way anymore. I've tried your way for two years. I'm sicker than I've ever been. And I walked into some sketchy office for a scan, not knowing if this was going to work. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I took that chance because I really think had I not, we would be in a whole different conversation right now. I was headed in a really bad way. I also feel like a big part of what you just said is so powerful because take advantage of your doctors, right? So, so many people come on this podcast and say, or, or privately contact us and say, I can't afford to treat. I don't work. I'm so sick. But if you have it to health insurance, you can go. And I do this personally to a neurologist, to an infectious disease specialist, to a rheumatologist, to a primary care physician who's covered by your insurance and demand. And if you have a good relationship, request certain tests to be done. And that's how I found out I was reinfected with Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever by just doing a routine tick-borne illness test, right? That's how I found out a lot of my inflammation issues and things like that. But you know, you don't have to take the course of action, meaning my rheumatologist was like, I want to put you on steroids. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Thank you for the tests. I have the data and I'm going to go my own route now. So let's leverage the people we can to get cost-effective diagnoses through lab labs and then do with it what we want, right? So I think it's a really good piece of advice you just gave us. And on that same note, I mean, you know, you, you talked about your family and the impact it's had. People in your family, some of them don't even believe you have Lyme, right? Because they just think it's arthritis. But when you think about that logically, how can somebody who has arthritis have all the other symptoms you had? It just doesn't add up, right? Mm -hmm. So I just feel like there's that approach that doctors have to us as well is they look at us, they see something in their mind, a lot of your symptoms correlate to arthritis. It must just be a really bad case of arthritis. Well, why is she sick all the time? Why does Amber have reactivated viruses, right? Because you, you know, you talked about earlier that you had, um, you know, shingles and you had mono when you were younger, right? Well, yeah. we know the shingles virus is from chickenpox. When you have chickenpox, the virus never goes away. It stays in your body forever for the rest of your life. And when you have mono, the Epstein-Barr virus, because of that stays in your body the rest of your life. Why is Amber having all these viruses reactivated when other people aren't? there's more there than just arthritis, right? So if you look at the big picture, Amber as a whole, as a bio-individual, there's clearly more there. And I think that's what people listening and patients have to do also is to think about their own health, express that to their doctors. If they're not getting the appropriate feedback, move on to another doctor, find a naturopath, find a doctor who's a Western doctor who will work with you and listen with you, right? And I think that's really, really important also that you share with us. So, but on the family note, what impact has all this had on your relationship with your husband and your children? Because you only got diagnosed last year, right? So did your husband ever doubt you? Did your kids ever doubt you? You know, and how did this impact you romantically and, you know, personally with your family? 
Sure. Yeah. So my husband and my kids have been amazing. They've been so supportive. Um, and my husband, especially like he has picked up the slack on the days with, with this treatment protocol, there are days when I do a treatment and it hits me a little funny and I am wiped out for a couple of days after. Um, I had that experience even earlier this week. I had one that just hit me weird and it just, I think it's pulling stuff out. Um, but when that happens, he really has to kind of take over and man the fort around here and he has to cook and help the kids get where they need to be and manage the farm stuff because there are days I can't do that. Um, but I have been so blessed. Um, he has been an amazing support and my kids have been too. They're, they've all been really understanding and helpful. Any, um, I don't know if lack of support is the word. I guess it would be. I think any questioning that I've gotten or skepticism maybe has come from more extended family. Um, and they don't see the close up, you know, they don't see the day to day. And so for them, all they see is, gosh, Amber's gone to a rheumatologist and an endocrinologist and, you know, a neurologist and all these different things and nobody's been able to help her. So maybe she's making this up, you know, and it's, it's sort of, a reaction I got well before this year because I've been on this journey of being sick for a very long time. Um, and at some point you just, I mean, like, you know, your body and obviously I'm not doing this to myself because nobody wants to feel this way. I promise you that. Why would anybody fake this? Like, that's the thing I want people to understand. If you have a family member or a friend who thinks they could have Lyme, they are not faking it because nobody would ever want to pretend to have this. It's horrific. And so if, if somebody is, is telling you that they think they have Lyme, they need your support. They need you to say, okay, I'm here with you. I am really sorry you're going through this. You know, how can I be of help to you? Instead of questioning, maybe offer to take dinner one night. Like that's what, that's what people need when they're going through this. So let's talk about a difficult topic because, you know, you obviously had Lyme your whole life. And then you mentioned that your husband and one of your two children have Lyme disease as well. Congenital Lyme has been pretty well established and even accepted by the CDC. So, mm -hmm. you know, the other side of this is sexual transmission of Lyme disease, which isn't as well established. It's, some believe it's, you know, it's, it's possible. Some believe it's not possible. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think that possibly you had given Lyme to your husband and your one child because you had active undiagnosed Lyme disease at that time? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty convinced of that um, because my husband has never had a tick back that he remembered. Um, there's never been, you know, and really the Lyme for him was not causing symptoms. Um, he went for the scan. He was having some stomach problems and I had just been diagnosed. And, and so um, my practitioner had said, your husband needs to come get checked and your children because of this. Um, he was like, the research is still coming out, but let's just check them. And I appreciated that. So I brought him in and it ended up that my husband had H. pylori um, and that's what was causing his stomach problem. But we also found he had, an, he had Lyme. And so he went through, you know, the, the detox protocol and, and now it, when he had a scan, it showed it's not there anymore. Um, so then the same with my kids, I took both my kids, one had it, one didn't. The interesting thing is the one that had it, um, is, 
the child that was born very premature and the one, um, my youngest, where I had to have a hysterectomy right after. And I was so sick during my pregnancy with him. I was in the hospital off and on. So I really think that he probably got it from the time he was born. Um, and that has, you know, this is an interesting issue because even in reading about mine and the research I've done, there's not a whole lot that you read about sexual transmission or, you know, passing it to your children. But it is something to be aware of. Like until I get through this detox process where I'm pulling the lime out of my body and I'm doing all these things to help my, my body heal, like we're having to be aware of that you know, and use protection and those sorts of things, because I don't want to give it to him again. You know, it's, it's, it's a whole different thing, but it's, it's something to be aware of for sure. And, you know, what's interesting is, so I think it was last year at the Lime Mind Conference, that's that run out of New York City. And a lot of these <laughs> research facilities in New York City were looking into congenital Lyme. And they had a whole panel on this with experts, and they have definitive proof that congenital Lyme is real. If you have an active infection of Lyme disease, it is very likely you'll pass it on to your child. And now that can be scary because we have a lot of moms that listen to this podcast. And I can tell you, my sister being one of them was concerned because she thought she may have had Lyme when she had her, you know, my nephew. But the thing that I, I think is so beautiful about your story, Amber, again, is you're not approaching this podcast with fear. You're approaching it with love and peace. And your, your child had Lyme disease. He had a scan, he was treated and he's fine and he's living life and he's healthy. So it's not something to be afraid of, but we need to be armed with the knowledge of this as a possibility, consider it. And if so, take action and move on because it's not something to be paralyzed or fearful about. So thank you for sharing that with us in such a, such a brilliant way, because there are a lot of moms that listen to this and I don't want people to be afraid of this topic, but it is an important topic for people to hear. Yeah, it's much scarier too. To, to let it go with your kids. I think like if there's a chance that your kid might, might have Lyme, I know it's scary to go get checked because sometimes it's better. We think it's better to just not know, you know, but as a person who had a tick bite as a child, didn't get taken to the doctor, you know, didn't have any treatment or testing. I can tell you, you don't want your child to be 39 and in the shape that I was in before they get help. So it's really, it's okay. Like it's, you can do this test. It's easy to test for, um, and you can check and make sure that things are good. And it's better to know than, than to go to bed at night and lay there and be thinking, does my kid have it? Did I give this to my child? Like those are the things that will make a mama lose sleep. Just find out and, and start taking the steps you need it'll be okay. I think with Lyme, people almost get so freaked out. Like this is a devastating diagnosis. My life is over. It's, it's so important to think about your attitude as you go into this and, and, and treating it because if you go into it defeated, I really think that, that makes a difference. Um, there are days you're going to feel defeated. There are days where I do not want to do these treatments. I don't want to do it. I know it's going to make me feel bad. I know I'm going to get a headache tomorrow from taking a treatment today. But if I know in the big picture, it's going to be worth it. And so, you know, it's one of these things where you really have to um, constantly, constantly remind yourself of the big picture. What are you working towards here? I can endure something unpleasant today because it's, it's taking me one step closer to my goal of having 
consistent good days and being in remission. And that's, that's where we're headed. Okay. So Amber, was, was your son symptomatic or you just tested him because your naturopath recommended to test your husband and your children? He wasn't symptomatic at all. Um, we, he, I would say, um, he tends to get sick a, a little more easily than my other kid. Um, he tends to pick up viruses and such a little, a little more often, but that was it. He hasn't had any other real symptoms of it. So I'm curious to see, like, he just is finishing. He's still doing his little treatment protocol. Um, my husband is finished with his Walker should be finished. I want to say next month, he goes back for a rescan, but I mean, I'll be curious to see following this, if his immune system starts to improve, I have a good feeling that it will, um, just from all the different changes that we've been making, but yeah, no other symptoms apart from that. Amber, I want to ask another question because another subset of our listeners is a group of people who are feeling well enough to start to think about getting romantically involved and dating again. But there's such a component that comes along with that, right? Because so you were sick your whole life, yet you still were able to date, get married and have children all before you were diagnosed and got treatment, right? And that's really rare for people who are very sick with Lyme disease because Lyme impacts us in so many ways. It impacts our self-esteem, our self-worth, our, our ability to communicate with people and think that they're gonna even wanna be interested in us, right? So give us some advice and guidance for those listening who are starting to say, hey, I'm feeling good enough where I want to maybe have a family. I want to maybe, you know, have a spouse, right? How did you overcome being so sick and yet, you know, finding your husband, being able to communicate with him in a way that was difficult because you didn't even know why you were sick and then get married and have a child? Well, I kind of feel like I cheated on this because I've known my husband since we were kids. <laughs> so I kind of uh, knew him before sickness really took over. Um, now he, he will even tell you, he has memories of us in high school. We dated in high school and he has memories of me opting out of like going to the pool and certain things because um, I didn't feel well or I would have like, you know, menstrual issues going on, um, that I was embarrassed of. And like, anytime I had a period, which was incredibly rare, it was horrific, like, and it would last forever. And so he, he remembers 16 year old Amber skipping pool parties. Um, that's something I wouldn't have even remembered, but you know, we, because we met when we were younger, I think he's just always known me and, He's kind of seen this, this journey from the beginning. Um, but I think the key is to find somebody that you're, that you're friends with. Whether you have Lyme or not, you want to marry your best friend. That's, that's really the way to go. And um, if you do that, a good friend is going to help you through something hard. And, you know, that's the beauty of marriage. Like marriage is wonderful for the romance and it's wonderful for the butterflies and all of the things that come with love and passion. But it's also really good for the steadiness of having a partner and a friend to walk through things like Lyme with you. And even if you don't feel 100%, there's still a percent of you you can give and share. You know, don't feel like, I, you know, I'm so empty because of all the line and all the sickness. You don't have to feel like 
I only have like 2% of me today, so I can't share it. I don't know about y'all, but when I'm feeling bad, I kind of go in a self-preservation mode where I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to expend what little energy I have on anything. And there, if you're going to maintain a marriage, you're going to have to expand that, expand that last little bit of energy because you want to continue to, to give to your spouse and work, work on your marriage. And continue to maintain your friendship. And part of that's being honest, you know, and just like, I'll look at my husband and just say, I'm having a really rough day. Like my joints hurt. I don't feel well. I have a fever today. And, and then his response is always, okay, let's regroup. Let's make a new plan for today so you can rest and find me a guy like that, ladies. Find a guy that will let you rest on a day when your lines flaring. And it will, you know, that's the thing. You, you need the the, the partner and the companion. I just, I couldn't do this without my husband. This story would be a whole lot different if I had not had his support this year. He has literally, literally carried me when I could not pick myself up at times. And I just, um, I'm so thankful for him and his support. I love that. Absolutely love that answer, Amber. Thank you. I do, I do want to focus on something. If you and Bianca can speak a little bit about it, because so many people talk about this in the podcast and it's hard for Rich or I to relate or have this discussion, but you mentioned you almost never had your period. You had a ton of hormonal issues, right? And all that stuff was really a red flag as well when you were growing up. So you, it was, oh, it's just arthritis, right, Amber? Well, what are all the other issues you're having with your hormones and your period? And right, we talked about this earlier, but like- if you could just explain to us exactly what was going on with you hormonally and from, you know, the female side of things, and then what, if anything, was helping you and have those issues resolved or gotten better? And what have you done now that, you know, you have Lyme to address them? Because we have people that tell us, hey, look, when, when I do get my period, I'm down for like two weeks and I can't function. I'm in bed, right? And it just cripples me because of Lyme disease. So if you guys can just have a discussion about that and give our listeners some context as to how severe this is, and also some recommendations and guidance to improve those times when they get really sick from these hormonal issues. Yeah. I mean, hormones can absolutely wreak havoc on your body and any kind of a hormone imbalance is going to make you feel bad. Um, whether you have Lyme or not getting your hormones in balance will make a tremendous difference in your day-to-day life. But for me, I mean, I look back, so I was the last among my friends to get a period. Um, you know, when girls are like 10 to 12 to 13, something like that, like it's kind of a little competition in your little friend group. He's going to get one first. You know? And I was the last, I was like, man. And then I had one and I didn't have another one for maybe a year and a half. It was a long time. Um, and then from there, I would literally maybe get a period once a year. Um, and when I would get one, it would last, you know, for two weeks. And just like you said, I would be in bed, like could not function. I would miss school. I would miss all my activities. I mean, I would be in horrible pain. And because of that, I don't think I even mentioned this earlier, but I had an exploratory surgery done on my ovaries when I was 17. Um, And, you know, like who does this on a 17 year old? But like even they, they gave me birth control and even on birth control, I would not have a period. It would not induce a period for me. Um, so they did this exploratory surgery. And of course that came back. They were like, well, you have polycystic ovaries, you know, but 
nothing else is, is wrong. Everything looks normal. But the typical answer for every person who fights Lyme, everything's normal. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not normal at all. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it, it's one of those things that it just from the very beginning was never normal. And then um, when I tried to get, well, I was told because of that, that I would likely never have children. Um, so we went into marriage. We got married fairly young. We were 20. Um, and we went into it feeling like we just will adopt someday, but we probably won't be able to have our own children. Um, and then probably six or seven months after we got married, I had a miscarriage and I didn't even know I was pregnant until the miscarriage. Um, and it, it turned into kind of an, an emergency sort of situation where I went to the emergency room because like here I was never get periods and I got one and it was totally different. I knew something wasn't right. And it turned out I had been pregnant. So, um, you know, that kind of started a whole other journey with infertility and we were able to get pregnant. We had two children. We went through fertility treatments and, um, it, you know, it was hard, but we got through it. We did have kids, but shortly after that, um, I had to have a hysterectomy. I was 24 years old. And after I had my son, um, I just never quit bleeding. And this went on for four months before they finally said, we're going to have to do surgery. Um, and so I had a hysterectomy at 24. And, you know, even after that, though, hormonally, a hysterectomy does not solve hormone problems. I think a lot of times people think once you have a full hysterectomy, oh, you're, you're good to go. And you don't have to deal with that. That's not the case at all. If anything, it makes it even more complicated because now you're not producing the estrogen at the right levels. And you're having to look at hormone replacement therapies and other things, you know, to deal with that problem. It's just one more issue layered on top, you know? Um, but that's kind of, that's kind of my story with the, with the hormone drama along the way. No idea that all of it was linked to Lyme, but sure. I'm sure it was. Oh, of course. Like we see this as a very common denominator throughout the community for sure. There's some, I, I believe what correlates with it, and I don't know if this makes sense to you, but it's almost like the inflama inflammation is hired by the estrogen markers. And we see that quite a lot. So in saying that now, having the hysterectomy and looking back at this journey that you experienced, would you say to someone to not do that, knowing that your hormones now look very different would there be other advice or other things that you would say to people to do instead of doing that I mean when we look back at removing all of these organs and taking all of these things out would there be any of that and not saying that we regret anything or or saying that back but would there be something if someone was in that position now because we see that in the community that a yeah. lot of people are dealing with these hormonal issues. And so would that be something that you would say to you would do differently knowing that in hindsight? Yeah, for sure. Uh, looking back on it, I, if I had known, you know, that I had Lyme, I probably wouldn't have gone through with that hysterectomy. I would have said, wait a minute, let's try some other things. I'm only 24 years old, you know, like, let's see. But on the flip side of that, I believe there's a purpose for everything. God uses everything for our good and his glory. And when I got the biopsy report back from my hysterectomy, I did have a precancerous lesion growing in my uterus. So I'm glad that I had it removed because of that. Um, but it is a, a really, a, 
sore point for me. It, it was a grief for me because I wanted a big family. You know, I did not want to stop having children at 24 years old. Um, but, you know, I, it, definitely don't be quick with a surgery, whether it's for your gallbladder or especially your tonsils. That surgery was so horrible. Um, it did stop me from getting strep throat, but I'm not, I wasn't sick any less. I would just be sick with something different instead of strep throat, you know? So I, I would urge people to, to be conservative with their surgery decisions. Um, you can rack up a lot of medical debt very quickly. And at the end of it, you may not be any better just from removing something. So that should not be the first resort ever. <laughs> Yes, I definitely resonate with both of those situations. I had my tonsils removed too, thinking that I was constantly getting tonsillitis. And in Australia, it's a little bit different where we don't have the insurance. So you can just continue to get these things done for free, which means we end up just doing it anyway, because the doctor said so. So we don't have the cost in front as well. So, you know, often people get to that point and they're like, okay, now I've removed all of these things and this has happened. So it's good to just know that in hindsight, that maybe if there's a multi-organ situation going on, that we could look at that. But in saying that as well, what does your hormones look like now that you're on treatment? Yeah. So, um, I think they're better. I feel more balanced than I have in a long time. Um, so I still take uh, medication to bring my testosterone levels down from the PCOS and I still take half a milligram, the tiniest amount of estrogen. Um, but I've been weaning down on that for a while now. Um, and once I get through the full line protocol, the next step for me is going to be to sort of rebuild and to address the damage that Lyme has done to my body over the years, like rebuilding my joints and working on those hormone levels, I really want to get off of that synthetic estrogen completely. Um, but my naturopath I'm going to has said, we don't want to make any change that will stress your body further while you're going through this detox. Like I even, I was excited because I've been losing weight through the detox and I gained so much weight with the sickness and um, so I was like, the last time I went, I said, Hey, I'm losing so much weight, but I do feel like it's kind of slow. Like, can I do any sort of a diet? And he said, absolutely not. He was like, you are not, don't do anything else to stress your body on top of what we're doing right now. This is, this is plenty. He was like, that will come with time, you know? So it's a, it's a journey. And I think you also have to remember like, how long have you been sick for me? I've been sick for over 30 years. So I can't expect after nine months of treatment to feel completely better. It took 34 years to get this sick. It's going to take a little bit of time. And I also am trying to be realistic about the fact that I did develop Lyme arthritis and I may still have some lasting joint damage from that. And, you know, I hope that my joint pain will all be gone. Um, I think it's 80% better and I can live with it the way it is now. I'm thankful for that. Um, but I also have had to accept, you know, that's the toll of this. You carry a disease for that many years and it is going to cause some, some things to wear down in your body. Um, and so I don't know, during the, the process, you know, you have the hope because you're starting to feel better, but there also comes some acceptance, I guess, by the end of it, like as I'm moving towards the end, I feel some acceptance that, okay, 
you know, I may never be completely pain-free with my joints, 100%, like, but that's okay. We can get to a point where I can live with this and I can function like this. And, and that's, I'm good with that. You know, I want to be able to walk and go in my garden and take care of my family and um, work in my business. We've started this online business now. And, um, and I want to be able to, to take the time to do that without being sick constantly. So yeah, it's a journey. So Amber, talk to us now. I know I kind of derailed us from your treatment, but it was January of this year, I believe mm-hmm. you got diagnosed by the naturopath and then your treatment began, right? So what was, what was, I guess, the response of your naturopath when you tested positive for Lyme and Bartonella? And then what was the treatment plan moving forward for you since you had Lyme for so long? Yeah. So, um, first of all, he wasn't at all surprised when it was Lyme. As a matter of fact, like by the time we had finished my medical history, he told me, he said, I really think one of two things is going to show. I think you may have Epstein-Barr or I think you could have Lyme. And he was like, and it could be both. He was like, but your symptoms, those are the two things that are coming to my mind, but let's do your scan. So then it turned out I didn't have the Epstein-Barr, but I had Lyme and Bartonella. And so the treatment path that I have been on has been a little different. Um, Now, I know a lot of times doctors will prescribe doxycycline. Um, the guy I'm going to is not a medical doctor, so he does not prescribe. He's a naturopath. Um, but I have been on doxycycline. Oddly enough, um, I had a really severe case of pneumonia last year, and I was on about four weeks of doxycycline and then two weeks of another antibiotic after that because it just wouldn't clear up after I had COVID. And so, um, you know, we knew I knew the antibiotic wasn't going to do it. I like been there that did nothing for me um so what I ended up doing was using Desbio is what it's called and it's a frequency therapy essentially where it's matching to the frequency of Lyme um I'll be honest I'm not a very scientific person and so I don't fully understand everything that goes along with the frequencies, but I'm fascinated by it. It makes sense to me that everything in nature has a frequency and, you know, just like the Lyme disease itself has a frequency. The bacteria that causes Lyme disease has a frequency. And so we can detect the bacteria that causes Lyme. And if you have that bacteria in your body, the most likely you have Lyme. And that's how it was diagnosed for me. Um, I had the frequency for Borrelia. And so this Desbio that I'm doing, um, basically the scan shows how many boxes that you take. Each box is a one month treatment. And there's these little vials in it and you take a vial every three days. And so once you know it's Lyme, then he actually scanned for the remedies that would best support my body. And we looked for a a lymph stem, a lymphatic drainer, um, the Desbio for the actual, the frequencies of the Lyme and the Bartonella. And then um, lots of supports. I'm on a ton of just um, vitamins and a thyroid support, a homeopathy for thyroid support because the Lyme hit my thyroid. I'm on a liver support because during any detox, your liver needs support and Lyme was in my liver, (laughs) Um, just lots of different individual system supports. Um, But the interesting thing was everybody, he said, when he did the scan on me, he said, everybody needs a different number 
of the Desbio boxes, depending on how widespread the Lyme is in your body. And so uh, for me, I tested out to need nine boxes or nine months of the Desbio. And he said that was actually the longest anybody had ever tested out since he's been scanning for Lyme. He had never seen somebody need that many boxes. And he was like, you must have had this a really long time. And that's when we started thinking about like the tick bat when I was young. But since that time, it's interesting. He had another patient that came in a few weeks after I did, and she tested for one more box than I needed. But she was 70 years old and completely bedridden. And so he actually called me and he said, I thought this would give you some hope to hear. I found somebody who's worse than you. And she was completely bedridden. And, you know, you were one box different from her. So if people question how sick you actually were, you can just say, look, I know this lady and she was about the same place I am and she couldn't even get out of bed. So, you know, that gave me some validation too. Like he knew I was struggling a bit with, with feeling validated that this is real and that it was all new to me. Um, and so that, that helped me a lot just to know somebody else was in the same boat and, you know, every time I go, I'm like, how's the other line patient? Is she doing better? And he's like, yeah, y'all are both doing about the same now, you know, but it's, it's good to connect with other people. And the Des bio is something that I, when I came home after my first appointment, I tried to research it and there's just not a ton of information out there about it. There's, um, there's like a, a Facebook group where people who have done the Des biotherapy um, share and post. That was pretty helpful to me in the beginning. And um, just to feel like I could connect with people who had been through this um, and kind of see what their experiences have been. There's a couple of YouTube videos, but honestly, they were scary. And I wished I wouldn't have watched them after I did. They kind of painted it as Des Bio being this um, really horrible, painful experience. And that's not been the case for me. I mean, it's definitely been challenging. There are days where after I do a treatment, I mean, it almost always gives me a headache. Um, and I usually don't feel well the day after I take one, but it's not, it's not been terrible. It's been survivable, I guess is the word. And it's been worth it because each box I finish, I feel better. I really feel a change. Can I ask you as well with this spire resonance, is it based off, and I don't know if you've heard of, have you heard of Royal Rife before? A little bit. Yeah. I think it's very similar. I think it's similar principles because the whole thing with the bioresonance scans is they're using your pressure points and your hands and feet and those acupressure points um, and the systems they line up with. So for instance, if, if he's going to scan my liver for, or the Borrelia that causes Lyme, then he goes to the liver point and does the scan there. And it's really interesting um, because I've been able to see the progress. I go every few months and, and to see the Lyme, like now it's not in this part of my body, but now it's showing in my brain. You know, like you, you see the systems of your body and, and to have it validated where before it's like, I know that I feel you know, it jumps around. Like we said, like I've had my gallbladder out and then it's in my throat and then it's in the brain fog and then it's in the weight gain and then it's in the joints. It makes you feel crazy, but it was validating for me to go in and have a scan. And without even telling him, these are my symptoms today, he'll scan me first and he can tell me my symptoms before I tell him. 
based on my scan. And it's fascinating. I just, I, I really think it could be one of the most helpful diagnostic tools um, just to get you on the right path. If you don't know, if you're sick, if you're chronically ill and you just don't know what you're dealing with, this can at least put you on the road to figuring it out. Yeah, it really sounds like it's painting that honest picture of Lyme disease. And for anyone listening as well, just like a little bit of a scientific background to the degree that I know about Rife, really it's good to know that there is a scientist called Royal Rife who invented a Rife machine in 1930. And he invented this under the principle that he believed a pathogen had a resonating frequency. So he believes every pathogen has a resonating frequency and once they bounce off each other, they're actually able to kill the bacteria. And we see this actually in, I have like a a quick reel on this as well that you can find where an opera singer is able to sing a specific note and it can break the glass. And so that's the best way we can kind of explain how these things are working. So I'd love to know if you can share a little bit, like what's within those vials? Is it, is it something like that? Is it the opposite frequencies or? Yeah, it's definitely a frequency driven thing. I mean, it's a little box with 30 or with 10 vials in it. And um, they are, they are supposed to target with frequency, Um, And then what he also does is he does um, a support, like for instance, a lymph drainer. Um, And he actually puts this on his computer and attaches it to the scanner and he will put the frequency into it through, through this machine to specifically counter the frequency I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very custom matched for you and your health. Like, The Desbio, these are standard boxes. Like this is a treatment. Everybody's is the same. But then what the advantage is with bioresonance is then you also got a practitioner that's kind of making you your own remedies to match the frequency as it's occurring in your body right now. And then I go every couple months and we adjust and we see, okay, now where's my body at? And it's wild because, you know, this was just in January. So I'm nine months into it almost. And every time I've gone, I think I've been four times, maybe five since January, each time my needs have changed just a little, like I don't need this anymore. You know, like I didn't need as much thyroid support now. And then it was like, okay, my liver function looked better. So I can back down off some of the liver support. Um, In the very beginning, my lungs were horrific. I kept pneumonia. It seemed like every fall I would get pneumonia and sicknesses just tended to settle into my lungs. So he put me on three or four different supports for lung health, um, different herbs and homeopathy and then some frequency things as well. I don't have to take that at all now. Um, Like I don't use an asthma inhaler anymore, which is something I've relied on pretty heavily before. And so, I mean, it's just as the systems in my body are starting to detox the Lyme and heal. It's like one by one, the problems are dropping off and I'm moving a step closer to healing, but it's not instant. You know, I think a lot of times we're used to being sick. You go to the doctor, you get a prescription, you take pills for 10 days. That's it. You're done. It's over. And that's not how this works with something chronic like Lyme or Bartonella. You, it's going to be a long journey and it's, it's uh, adjusting as you go and catering it to where's your body today? How are you feeling today? 
and being in tune with your body too, to recognize when something shifts or something feels different. Um, when you know your body and you start to listen to it and trust it, then you can kind of jump on things and get yourself back in balance before they get so bad. Yes. I think that relationship with the body is so, so crucial. And we learn to adjust to that, to start trusting within again, through that process, when you're seeing things work, it can really start expanding that notion. We have the mind connection to the body as well. And with you were mentioning some of the headaches and symptoms that you were having along the journey that you're having at the moment, what's helping you process through those? And I guess we call it in the community, a herxomia type reaction that you're experiencing. Uh, what would you say is helping with that as well? Um, I think the things that have helped me the most when I'm in a bad herx are Epsom salt baths. Those have been phenomenal. Um, sometimes on a bad day, I'll take four a day. <laughs> like I sit, I sit with my phone in the bathtub and work, you know, um, because that's what helps me feel better. Um, sunshine, being outside in the sun, even if I don't feel well enough to do anything but sit in a chair in the yard, sun helps tremendously. Um, and then diet, diet is big. Um, I have learned to be very, very careful. We eliminated gluten, dairy, sugar, and caffeine, all four. Um, and I'm strict about it because if I get just a little cross-contamination or something, I react to that big time. My joints swell up and I'm playing. And so especially when I'm in a herx, I'm really, really careful with my diet because I don't want to make an already uncomfortable situation downright painful, you know, by eating a piece of bread or something that I know will inflame me. Um, also CBD oil has been really helpful for me. Um, I have found a lot of help for my joint pain with that using topically and internally. Um, I think both ways have been helpful at different times for different things. Um, those are kind of my go-to clean diet, Epsom salt bath, sunshine, um, and CBD. That's how I survive. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. All those things really do help. And even just in that sunlight, you're also grounding and connecting to earth, which I'm sure you know a lot about as well. Um, is there any other detox things that you do that help in terms of detoxing mm -hmm. the body as well? I'm trying to think of, I've tried so many things. I'm trying to think what else has helped. Um, I know Asana helps. I don't have one of those, but I will do like a really, really hot shower to steam up the bathroom because sometimes just sitting in the steam will help. Um, with, with the headaches, I have found um, a, a weighted heating pad is my best friend. And I don't know quite why it is, but when I get these headaches during a herx, they are always centered in the back of my neck. And the back of my neck will swell up even. Um, and I get like a, a big lump back there um, at the top of my spine. And I'm starting to kind of see a correlation with that in particular with the Bartonella treatments that I'm doing. I think that's probably very related to the Bartonella. It sets up in lymph nodes. But um, a weighted heating pad has just been like the best thing ever on the days when I don't feel good. I hurt. It's one of those little creature comforts best 30 bucks I ever spent on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. And so in terms of treatment there, that's 
that's all you're doing is the bioresonance and this and yeah. and detox on the side and then CBD oil to manage the pain and yeah. that's working for you. Is there any other little bits that we missed in terms of treatment that you're you're um, doing? I'm doing some vitamins as well. Um, I had my minerals checked. Um, I did a parasite cleanse. I don't guess I'm, I mentioned that, but that was the very first thing that he had me to do actually um, was we, we checked for molds, heavy metals, parasites, did a parasite cleanse. Um, and that was like an eight week process. Um, I used all natural like black walnut, wormwood, um, all the natural ways and that was effective. My next scan showed parasites were gone. Um, and I could tell just getting rid of parasites, that part alone, I lost 20 pounds and my joints felt better. Like it, it took the edge off, I would say, which I would have never expected a parasite cleanse to help with the joints, but it really, really did. Um, and I was there on some like supportive vitamins, um, potassium, I was low in potassium, so I'm on a potassium supplement. Um, I do B12, uh, what else? Vitamin D, uh, B complex. Yeah, I think that's it now. Um, I take Medicrin for liver support. Um, and then I also use a lot of herbs here at home that are not being given to me by my practitioner. But uh, for instance, rosemary has been a really huge help to me because I was taking immunosuppressants for rheumatoid arthritis and I started losing my hair and I was also having some thyroid issues. Um, and so now as I'm healing the Lyme, I take a little homeopathy vial for thyroid support, but I read in one of my herbalism books that rosemary was really good for hair. And so I started doing some rosemary rinses in my hair and it made a huge difference. I can tell, like, got all these little baby hairs growing in now. Um, I use lemon balm as another herb I use a lot. Lemon balm is really calming. It's good for anxiety. And I found it helps inflammation as well. Um, for me, anyway, lemon balm tea seems to help. I even put lemon balm in soup. I sneak it in everywhere. <laughs> and then turmeric. Um, I take a blend of turmeric and black pepper. And that has been the best thing I don't take. I don't even take Advil anymore. And I was on like meloxicam plus I was taking the ibuprofen, which you're not really supposed to take together. I was on a lot of anti-inflammatories. I don't take any, any at all anymore. I just take turmeric um, and it works better than what I was taking before. So if you can find a good supplement or a good blend or a good, product like that that's made well with real ingredients and not all the additives they they can work just as well as some Tylenol or Advil or something like that um don't rule out the natural stuff and herbs especially are so powerful and it's really made me fall in love with herbalism I had no idea like all the different ways you can use plants for medicine and now we're growing several different things just for the medicinal benefit of it. And, and that's something I had no idea about before I started this whole Lyme journey. So. Incredible. I love that we've made this shift now from, I guess, that whole Western medical system and kind of being defeated in that area. And now you're 
essentially becoming your own doctor by learning all of these in, incredible things to do for yourself. And yeah, I, I love that you've been able to take that on and, and start transforming that for your life. And so Matt, is there anything else that you wanted to ask in terms of treatment there that we might have missed? I do. Thank you, Bianca. Yeah. So my my final question, and I promise I will shut up after this because I want to hear Bianca keep talking to Amber because I'm learning so much from the two of you. But I do want to ask a question, Amber, because we talked about cost earlier, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we want to start asking our podcast guests are, if you had to make a recommendation to our listeners for no cost or low cost treatments for Lyme disease, or even things that can help people through a Herxheimer reaction, or even just, I, I we'll call them band-aids to get you through the rough times of treatment. What would you recommend to people that have very limited budgets and are looking for symptom relief and also ways to continue to heal from Lyme disease? Mm, that's a good question. For symptom relief, um, right away, I would just recommend you go buy a bottle of Tumoro, it's T-U-R-M-E-R-O. Um, I love that stuff. It has been so helpful to me. You keep it in the fridge. A bottle of it is, is maybe a hundred dollars. I mean, it can be a little pricey depending on where you buy it, but it lasts forever. It lasts a really, really long time, months and months and months. And so, um, I would buy that yesterday. If you're struggling with pain in Lyme, just go ahead and get it. Um, Epsom salt is dirt cheap. You can get that at the grocery store and pour a, a cup of it in your bath water and that can help alleviate some symptoms. But I would also really encourage people to look into the bioenergetics and bioresonance scans. It's not as um, it's not as pricey as a lot of people think, at least not here in my area. Um, I priced before I went there. I also got prices to go to a naturopath in a big city near here. And just for the initial visit, it was gonna be something like $2,500. Um, we are a very tight budget little family starting a small farm and with small business online. And I was like, there's no way that I can afford to drop thousands upon thousands of dollars right now to feel better as much as I needed to. But the bioenergetics has been very affordable for me. I think my first scan was around a hundred dollars and that got me on the right road. And then of course I've had to buy, you know, some supplements and like the um, Des bio symptom relief packs and stuff. But um, even with that, I don't think I've had a month where I've spent more than $400. And I mean, I'm, I'm treating 34 years worth of Lyme disease here. So I, there are affordable ways to do it. Um, there are things you can find, but yeah, Epsom salt, turmeric, and find you a bioenergetic scan. I really, I really recommend it. I think um, it, it saved my life. I wouldn't have known that this was Lyme until it killed me, probably, if it was not for that scan. And Amber, on that budget, you've been able to get 75 to 80% better yeah. in less than a year, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's inspiration on its own. That's been less than a year and you've made that much improvement and haven't had to break the bank on it, right? Yeah. I do. I know I said I wasn't going to talk anymore, but I do have another question I want to ask you. So talk to us about your business, Amber, right? You, you're now living on this farm. You're growing your own food. You're growing your own medicine and herbs and you have this small business you're now building. So share with our listeners what your business is, what your website is and how if people want to, they can go take a look and support your little your, your small business that you started. Yeah, thank you. Um, so we do have a small farm, um, but in, we started out thinking we would sell vegetables, that we would kind of have a produce stand. 
But along the way, I started documenting our homestead and our garden on Instagram and people became interested. And what I started as like a hobby to just show friends and family kind of what we were doing to build a little farm. It blew up into this whole community of people. And we have something like 114,000 followers over there now. And so it kind of became a business and I teach gardening and I teach how to preserve your homegrown food, canning and dehydrating. Um, and I teach how to monetize a backyard homestead. Um, even if you've only got a small amount of land, we only have a little under three acres. We're not on a huge um, hundreds of acres farm. We don't have livestock in terms of big cows and horses and stuff like that. You can have a small backyard farm and find ways to make money from that. And so it has sort of rolled over into um, where I'm like a garden coach. And I do phone coaching with people all over the world to help them figure out how to start a garden, grow it, um, and make it build an income for their family. And so the health journey has kind of gone right along with that. I've been really open with my friends on Instagram about Lyme disease and what it's done to my body and what it's looked like to treat it this year. And, and what I found was even though my page is about gardening and homesteading, my messages blew up immediately when I started talking about Lyme's. Um, Lyme disease affects so many people, you know, and I was, I was hearing story after story after story and people asking like, how do I treat this? I feel like that's what's wrong with me. How did you get tested? How did you know? People are hungry for hope and answers with this. Um, so yeah, it all goes together. You know, if you have, if you have Lyme disease, I cannot encourage you enough to grow your own food. Get off of that grocery store diet. There are ways you can grow a tiny little garden in your backyard. I mean, just a little four foot by eight foot space can provide a ton of food for you and your family. So. Bianca, I promise this is my last comment and then I'm done for the interview and you, the rest is yours. But I just want to tell everybody that they should check you out on Instagram, Amber, because you're, I think you're Grace Walk Farm, right? That's yes. your Instagram handle. Yes. And in addition to doing these one-on-one -on -one consults, you also do, you have free eBooks. You do a lot of workshops and webinars and online courses as well. People can participate in to learn about gardening, to learn about a variety of things, canning their own food, right? A lot of sustainable farming and sustainable growing your own food techniques, which so many of us would benefit from both with and without Lyme disease. So we encourage everybody to go check you out on, on Instagram at, at a minimum, go follow you and take a look at some of the courses you have to offer on your, on your link tree. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. There's lots of free information on there to, to get you started and, um, and the cool thing is, you know, I, I said at the beginning of all of this, that Lyme caused arthritis, which caused me to have to stop riding. And this year, as I've treated it, even in the midst of the treatments, I was able to start riding again. I got better enough I could ride again. And now I'm, you know, putting out eBooks and courses and all of this stuff. And it's kind of wild to think about, like in the year when I've been treating all of this illness, it's been the year when I've also built a business that's providing for my family. So even when you're at your sickest, you can still be productive. Like I said, I worked from the bathtub, y'all. <laughs> sat in an Epsom salt bath and worked on my phone. You do what you got to do, but don't let Lyme keep you from living because there's so much goodness out there, guys. Don't miss it because of Lyme. Find a way to do it anyway. 
I'm covered in goosebumps because it's so beautiful. It seems that Lyme really has this ability to wake up our almost want or need or knowing to help others. And I'd love to know in childhood as well, was that something that felt like a calling to you prior to this experience as well? Because I can't help but notice throughout this whole experience where you know, when I look back at the beginning of my journey, I definitely didn't have this open mindset and it's so incredible. I want to learn so much from you, how you opened up this perspective so early. Did it, was this following you through childhood and and how have you started to have that, that open mindset and positive mindset? I really think for me, it all comes down to my faith. Um, I am a woman of faith and I just believe that Um, there is nothing that we encounter in life that is without purpose. And uh, for whatever reason, this is part of my story. And I may not like it. I may not want Lyme disease to be part of my story. But if I can just accept it, then it can be used for good in some way. Um, Everything can be. Every tragedy we go through can be used for good. And that's really the beauty of faith and believing in God is that he redeems everything, you know, beauty from ashes. And like, that's what my Lyme disease story is really. It's beauty from ashes. I was at a point where I could barely walk and here I am like building a a beautiful, fun business that I love and I'm passionate about and doing, doing the things I enjoy. Um, But it's all leaning back on the faith that I have. And I'll, I'll actually, I'll tell you a little, short, quick story, um, about this, because I do think that this was very providential in my life. Um, so every year around new years, I like to choose a word of the year. I don't know if you guys do that, but instead of a resolution, I pick a word for the year and I always pray about it from like October to the end of the year. What's my word going to be to focus for next year? And it's always something that has real meaning to me in some way. I mean, in previous years, it's been things like plant, or grow, or home, or mother, you know, different things. But this year, as I prayed about what my word would be, over and over, I heard the same word. It was survivor. And this was before I got diagnosed with Lyme. I didn't know I had Lyme, but I knew I was really, really sick, and I didn't know why. Um, And so I was hesitant with that word. I thought, why, why is that word coming to me over and over and over? Like, am I going to survive something horrific? Like what's coming for me in 2022? And then a few weeks after the new year is when I found out I had Lyme disease and I thought survivor, like from the day I found out I had it, I already had the hope that I was going to survive it. And that was a gift. That was a gift of hope. Um, I think God gives us little gifts like that. They're just sprinkled. You got to look for them. They're hidden along the way. But um, I I had the hope of the word survivor. So on the days when I really want to quit and I'm like, this this stinks. I hate this. The hurts is too bad. I don't want to do it anymore. That's what I come back to. That promise. Like, I'm going to survive this. I'm going to get into remission. I'm going to see the other end of it and be in a better place. And if you have that hope, that's when you can keep moving one more step, one more day. I can do it for one more day. Yes. I used to say the same thing, 1% better every day. And yes. when we have that, I think that internal hope and that power, it just really steams through you. Like even when you go to say, 
uh, the truth of this journey, the realistic side of this journey, you still have, you still come back to that. And I think that is so, so crucial for everyone to listen and hear that, to be reminded like of that word. That's so beautiful Mm -hmm. because some people really go through the journey for a long time before they realize how powerful they are again. And we are, we are these warriors, these survivors and knowing that from the beginning could be so crucial for people. So thank you so much for sharing that story because that's amazing. And did this, did Lyme actually spark your journey with faith or did this happen? Were you always within that faith? I, I think it's, I've had faith for a long time. Um, I started to really believe in God and, and want to have a relationship with him. As strange as that may seem, like I wanted to know God and know more about him from the time I was a little girl. So I've kind of been on that journey for a long time. Um, but as, as my walk with him has deepened and I've learned more about him and seen the miracles that he can carry, the way he carries us through this crazy, wicked world full of trauma, you know, that alone, the hope that I have found um, in looking at how he works in those hard places has carried me. And, you know, I think, It's tempting when you go through any kind of chronic illness or really anything hard, like any kind of trauma in life. It's, it's tempting to get into a mode of I'm a victim. This is happening to me. And if you sit in that place, you are going to be stuck there because a victim is paralyzed. Victims don't have the energy to move. Victims don't advocate for themselves. Victims don't get better. But a survivor, a survivor says, I live through that. I'm still alive. I may not be great off, but I'm alive. I'm a survivor. (laughs) And if you can just have that, just that little spark, I'm alive. I've made it this far. I'm still breathing. Just cling to whatever little bit of hope you can find. And that will propel you through whatever comes tomorrow. It's just one little piece at a time. Don't get ahead of yourself and don't be a victim because that victim mindset really can put you in a bad place mentally, or it does me anyway. Yeah, it is really hard when we're in the thick of it to jump and know that that's possible. And I do believe faith also was such a huge denominator and a thing that really pushed me through the other side as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's so beautiful that people are here listening to you have that experience and see that you're actually in the thick of it with this knowing. And so you're not having a hindsight view, you're actually taking this along and it's keeping you strong throughout that journey. So it's really incredible. And I loved your use of, and I'm going to mention this here because Rich also mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I love your, your use of it's happening to me because I'm actually just about to bring out a book of this whole topic of my books actually called it happened for me. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny every time I try and I'm actually in the midst of correcting the grammar within the book and it keeps trying to change it to it's happening to me. And as a society, we do have this fallback, I guess, that when bad things happen to us, we're really sinking and things are happening to us. But it's so beautiful to hear your story too, to be like, oh, wow, there could be some deeper purpose to this. And even if that's strengthening your relationship with God, or even if that's, you know, helping one person like you're doing already, like your whole community, you know, this continues to happen. And it's just, 
in the face of pain, we awaken and it's so beautiful. And I'm just feeling that and seeing that from you. So thank you for sharing that and having that happen along your journey. And so people can see, okay, like I was able to go through this treatment and have that alongside is just really incredible and hats off to you for that. It's, it's really amazing. And is there any, any other beautiful parts that you could take away from Lyme that you could share today to really transform the listeners? Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's been a gift <laughs> and it seems so strange to say this, that Lyme disease can ever be a gift, but there's been a gift in it. And the fact that it's taught me to slow down, like I am a busy person by nature um, when I get my mind set onto something, whether it's a business thing or a project or whatever, like I'm laser focused on that. And I want to go, 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 go until I get it completely done. Um, but that has not been my case, been the case this year. I've not been able to do that because I might be laser focused, but then a herx hits me and I start reacting and I'm like, I can't, I have to stop. And in the beginning, it was maddening. It was so frustrating. Literally the third day that I was on treatments, I cried. I mean, I just sobbed. I was like, I don't want to do this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to interrupt my life. It's going to make me have to change my routine. Like now, not only am I sick with my joints hurting and I'm getting viruses, but now I've got these herxes on top of it. Like I can't do this. And my husband gave me a good pep talk and he's like, you got this. Just just think about today. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. Just get through today. But what I learned somewhere along the way is how to rest. And I found myself, um, even this week, like I had a pretty nasty Herx reaction about three or four days ago. And back in January, when that happened, I would have pitched a fit. I would have sat and cried and pouted and just had the worst attitude. But I've learned and now when the herx hit me, you know what I did? I grabbed a book and I grabbed a mug <laughs> and my tea, my lemon balm tea that helps with my pain and my healing pad. And I turned on a movie and I felt zero guilt because now I know, you know what? It's okay to have a rest day. It's okay to have a day where I don't feel well. That's, that doesn't mean I'm going to be here in the, in the, on the couch three days from now but I can give myself permission to take a day and let my body rest when it, when it needs to. And I did not understand that until this year. And it's a gift that I will keep even when I, when I'm better, I fully believe I'm headed towards remission with Lyme disease. And I, I think even when I'm there now, I know the value of rest and I'll, and I'll use it. Yeah. Beautiful. I love how it awakens these parts of us that we may be missing and how the flow of life is so important that, you know, rest and work and having that balance is so crucial mm -hmm. to healing as well. And I think a lot of people do suffer with that guilt of needing to rest, but thank you so much for reminding everyone that that's okay. It's okay to just rest when we need to. It's okay to listen to our body and it's okay to also accept, like you said in the beginning, other people may not completely understand but the more we listen to ourselves, the easier the journey does become and so I'd also love to ask you as the lucky last beautiful question would be if someone was diagnosed today or if you were speaking to yourself when you know you got first diagnosed what would be the number one thing that you would say to them 
that you would have loved to hear because I love your mindset that you have now and how can we shift that person today? Mm, I love this question. Okay, so I would say to you, my friend, who just found out you have Lyme disease, um, this is good news. <laughs> it feels like really bad news, but this is really good news because now you know. You know what you're up against. You know what's doing this to your body. And having answers is 99% of the battle. Like you just fought the hardest part of this war. And now that you have an answer and you know what you're facing, there are an abundance of resources and people that can help you navigate the next part. There are lots of things. You can go back and listen to this podcast. I've listened to episodes of this podcast on days when I felt no hope. Go listen to the stories of people who have been through it. Find out what worked for them. Um, but no, this is good news because you're on the way to healing. So don't get caught up in the, um, in the in feeling like this is a death sentence or something you're never going to recover from. You can recover. You can feel better again. And now you're closer because you know what's keeping you sick. And, and that's, that's the best feeling to know what you're up against. Mm, absolutely beautiful. Amber, I can't thank you enough for joining our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And Bianca, thank you so much for being a brilliant co-host and having such an awesome interaction with Amber and teaching us so much. In addition to Rich and I, I know we've learned so much today on this podcast, but we know our listeners will as well. So both of you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here today. This has been so fun. Thank you. Bless. Thank you for listening to our Tick Bootcamp interview with our guest, Amber Binge. To our listeners, we have a call to action. Firstly, if you'd like to learn more about Amber, please check out her Instagram at Grace Walk Farm. Second, if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends on social media. Third, Tick Bootcamp has created a Tick Bite blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at thetickbootcamp.com slash bite to view this blueprint. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And please take a moment to leave us an honest review on the podcast platform of choice. And finally, if you'd like to search our podcast library of over 300 episodes, subscribe to our email list or share some feedback, please visit our website at tickbootcamp.com. Thank you, as always, for listening.